0: following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting.
1: Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, we sure appreciate your prayers for our family and for our ministry. And uh, we thank you also for your financial support. And we're here to say thank you we're here also to share just a little bit of what the Lord's been doing especially uh... in the last four years since the last time we met and uh... so that's why uh... our daughter patricia put together like a little video this is our first video and i think she did a good job but it's already outdated you'll see that uh, the girls are already in college um, i think i made a mistake also i said that andres's job was out of philadelphia but i think it's new jersey but um, but uh, we look forward to uh, uh, you know, uh, acqu- getting more acquainted with you uh, and also meeting, uh, it's been good to meet some uh, new believers here also. And um, we appreciate also the uh, special gift uh, for the church construction. On the video you'll ha- see some of that also. And uh, we thank you for participating in that uh, effort to uh, leave a building so that the church can meet and um, so there's a display table in the hallway uh, feel free to take the literature our latest prayer card is there also take as many as you can use and, um, and there's some odd and end uh, Argentine stuff on there too so um, if there is any questions or things like that after the uh, Sunday school or after the service we can chat and you can ask uh, we don't have all the answers but we'll try to do the best we can so um, we'll go to the video and then After that, we'll open the Word of God and see what the Lord has for us this morning. What comes to mind when someone says Argentina? Maybe it is cattle, beef, or a big juicy steak. Maybe the largest falls in the world, great glaciers, or the towering Aconcagua. Possibly you're reminded of friendly people, affectionate greetings, or the interesting infusion of mate. Or perhaps you think of a nation that is predominantly Roman Catholic and the birthing grounds of the current Pope. But it is our desire that when you think about Argentina, two major thoughts come to your mind. It is a nation of 45 million people who desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is a country where the Lord is at work showing His power and grace, saving souls for His glory and bringing them to be conformed to the image of His Son. We had the privilege of beginning our missionary work 20 years ago in a city for which many servants of the Lord had been praying. Gualeguaychu is a city engulfed in carnaval, a central parade giving free reign to a myriad of fleshly desires. And even though it is an agricultural community, it depends mainly on the tourism that the summer activities provide. Religiously, Roman Catholicism has a great grip on people that have embraced a family tradition hard to break. On the other hand, Eastern religions have made inroads through yoga, meditation, martial arts, Reiki, and other activities. Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses have also attracted people away from salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Upon our return to the field after our furlough in 2017, Omar Bustos, a graduate of the Bible Institute in Buenos Aires, who was serving in Gualeguaychú at the time, accepted our invitation to stay and serve with us in the church. During his first year with us, he did have his doubts about going into full-time ministry, but eventually expressed his renewed desire to serve the Lord. In 2018, he was married to Ariana, who had been attending the church since she was a teen. And in 2020, they responded to an invitation to help evangelize in the city of Angol, Chile for a year. The church participated in part of their financial support. Needless to say, that year presented many challenges due to the quarantine restrictions in Chile. Omar and Ariana are back in Gualeguaychú and have been serving in the church in different ways. Omar is heading up the organized evangelistic outreach of the church as we go door-to-door handing out gospel tracts and praying for good opportunities to share our faith with the lost. The Lord has used many activities to bring souls to Him. Hi, I'm Manuel. I began attending this church in 2015 when my parents brought me. That began a long journey that would change my life. I experienced a radical moment in 2017 when I attended a camp that changed my life.
0: And this year in March,
1: I took a big step of faith, being baptized. Other ministries in which the Lord has saved souls are Vacation Bible School and Sunday School. Christmas and Easter programs have presented the gospel message to those who have attended as well as three weddings in the past two years. My name is Gabriel. My name is Marty. We came to Gualiwaiju after
0: retiring from my job. We were able to come to this church, and soon Pastor Tim started preaching in our home, and slowly we began learning the Gospel, the Word of God, and that is how we came to know our Lord
1: and Savior, Jesus Christ. Gabriel and Mari have been growing in their Christian life, were baptized, and have become active members with fresh enthusiasm to serve the Lord and others. Cristina attended church services with her husband Luis for several years. We had been praying for her salvation, and approached her in her home to talk to her about her soul. But at the time she postponed the conversation. But the Lord continued working silently in her heart, and she became a believer. With great joy, we listened to her give her testimony of salvation publicly before the congregation as she followed the Lord in believers' baptism. We need to admit that not all those who profess salvation with us continue attending the church or show evidences of spiritual growth. We have counseled people that have prayed asking the Lord to save them, giving them biblical principles to come out of depression or leave addictions yet have not continued with the Lord. We continue to pray that the Lord would use the seed sown, knowing that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. But we are thankful for those that have been transformed by the power of God. I would like to tell you that God transformed my life in an impressive way and amazing, I think. Being what I was, an an alcoholic, most of all, right? That takes you to filthy things that take you to eternal destruction. And I'm so thankful to Christ Jesus who has come to my life. And I'm so thankful in the Lord that He has transformed my life. And I want to give thanks for that. Family conferences have been highlights for some of the believers in our church. These are held once a year in sister churches in Uruguay, our next-door nation. A dozen or so individuals have benefited from the exposition of God's Word and the fellowship with other believers during these conferences with a family emphasis. Ruth, Patricia, and two other young people were able to attend a teacher's training camp in 2018 where they received beginner's level practical training on how to teach the Bible to children and give them the Gospel. In 2018, we began a couple discipleship classes intended to help believers strengthen their understanding of biblical doctrine, apply those lessons to their daily lives, and have a desire to invest their lives in others in a discipleship relationship. Pray for these believers, as we would like to see them respond to the challenge of taking a younger believer under their wing to mentor them in the Christian life. Other classes we have had to train the people in our church have been counseling and Bible study methods. In 2019, we participated in a mission camp with several in our church. This camp provided a greatly needed emphasis, opening the mind of believers to the need of the salvation of people around the world. The intense schedule included 14 teaching times during a 48-hour period. We became physically exhausted but spiritually challenged and edified. In March of 2020, due to the coronavirus threat, the Argentine government placed a compulsory quarantine on the whole country, which extended several months. Borders were closed, educational institutions were shut down, all cultural, social, and religious events were canceled, and travel was prohibited. We are grateful that our son Andres had just come to Gualeguaychú three days earlier to visit, so he was able to stay with us the whole year working and studying from home. This was from God. Our daughter Ruth was on her second year of Bible Institute in Uruguay. Since Ruth had begun her temporary residence there, she had the needed paperwork that allowed her to come home for winter break and return to Uruguay for the second semester. Several believers were not able to work for a couple weeks, which brought economic hardship on some. The church family gathered groceries to share with those who needed them. Our services went online. We pre-recorded them and uploaded the video to YouTube. Several people contacted us looking for a church during a time when public meetings did not exist. Noelia and her three children were some of them now she is being discipled and counseled by a couple in the church during quarantine luciano began having an interest in the bible he read it for several months searching for the truth and convicted of his sins last december he began attending all the services and shortly came to a saving knowledge of jesus christ he has already read the bible completely and is on his second time around he has a great desire to grow in the lord and share his faith with others. Later, little by little, the government allowed different activities to take place with a strict health protocol. On October 11, 2020, we were able to have in-person services in the church building with a limit of ten people per sanctuary. Right in time, the Lord allowed our new sanctuary to be finished so we could have meetings with a significant part of the congregation. We held two services each Sunday morning with 10 people in each room to accommodate all those who were ready to attend again. In November, the government allowed us to have 20 people in each meeting room, making room for the new ones that were ready to begin attending services. Christina has been teaching juniors in Sunday school and the young kids for Wednesday prayer meeting. She began a ministry of encouragement with the women in the church in order to strengthen their lives, especially during the time of isolation that COVID-19 brought to our country. Cristina has been experiencing ongoing health problems with irritable bowel syndrome and fibromyalgia. She began a treatment in April. Please pray that a treatment to reduce the symptoms might be effective. This term we rejoiced at the return of Nahuel, Ricardo and Emilia, Sara and Joaquin. Our church supported Omar and Ariana while they helped evangelize in Angol, Chile, and is supporting Cristina's sister, who is a single missionary in Bolivia. Andres attended one year at Word of Life Bible Institute. Then he began studying in Buenos Aires to be a system analyst. While in Buenos Aires, he actively served the Lord in his local church, working with the teens. Ruth has played the piano for our church services. After finishing high school at home, she attended Febu, a Bible college in Montevideo, Uruguay, for two years while waiting on the Lord's leading for her future. Patricia plays the violin and guitar for our church services and graduated from high school last December. Our three children came to the States this last April. Our daughters are working to save money for Bible College. Patricia is headed to Faith Baptist Bible College in Iowa, and Ruth will be attending Appalachian Bible College in West Virginia. Andres continues studying online, and got a job working from home for a company in Philadelphia. His plans are to return to Argentina next year. The second phase of the church building project began in 2018, cutting, bending, and laying steel for the foundations, columns, and beams in the future building. Then we had to demolish the old building in the front, which served as a meeting place for eight years. Footings were dug and poured. And in January of 2019, we were ready to build up. In June, several men from the church volunteered to pour the first floor concrete roof. By October, the outside walls were built and the tin roof over the parsonage was placed. In August 2020, the front of the building was finished with an attractive yet simple face. We are thankful to the Lord for moving in the hearts of many who donated funds for the construction project. Before coming to the States on home assignment, we left three mature men in charge of the shepherding of the congregation in Gualeguaychú. Pray for José, Nicolás, and Omar, that the Lord would give them grace, wisdom, and unity as they minister the Word of God to the needs of the people. God has taken your interest, prayers, sacrificial love, offerings, and commitment to the Great Commission to do a great work in Gualeguaychú, conforming people's lives to the image of His Son. And so we want to join these believers, thanking you for sending us to Argentina. Hello, brethren. My name is Martin Martinez. This day, I would like to thank all of you for allowing us the blessing of having a congregation especially the Gosen family, that has been of great blessing, of great help to my life and the life of my family. My desire is that the Lord continues to bless you, continue to help you, and also for all the things that you've done on the financial aspects so that our church today would be beautiful. A big hug and thank you.
0: say a big amen to that how about you (laughs) yeah yeah that's how we are able to be involved uh, from afar to help support pray for the Gosens when uh, Wednesday nights come we pray for missionaries and when we get the letters and for your work and continue to send the financial support so that's what we are uh, what we are receiving a report on today Tim thank you very much for that um what we're going to do, are we ready, John? All right, very good. Welcome. We're a little bit late starting on the live stream this morning, but we are, uh, we're here. Uh, we showed a, a video to the church. Uh, for those of you that are online, uh, i sorry if you, you didn't see that. I sent out a link to the church folks that I could quickly this morning, and uh, so you could see that video uh, privately, but we couldn't show that publicly on, uh, on YouTube. So... Um, we're back, and I'm going to invite uh, in a moment Tim and uh, Christina, or Tim, probably just Tim, to uh, share with us this morning. Uh, we've supported Tim and Christina with Gospel Mission of South America for uh, about 25 years, perhaps. Um, by the way, I don't know if the young people want to stay or if you want to go to your Sunday school classes. I'll leave that up to the teachers of the class, but uh, Brother Tim is going to share in the word now, so you know what's coming next. Um, But uh, so we've supported them for that uh, length of time. And I probably met Tim uh, probably 98 or 99 maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe it was after that. But anyway, Tim stayed in our home, uh, my home actually at the time. And uh, so we've known them for quite some time. And uh, some of those pictures were familiar to me because I was in that building uh, on a Sunday uh, ministering with uh, Tim and Christine and the church family there, although some of it I don't recognize anymore. So I must go again and see what it looks like in person. But isn't that a beautiful structure that they've put up? Uh, very nice. And uh, even more beautiful than that are the souls that uh, we heard testimony from and to see the transformed life uh, lives that are there. That's a wonderful thing. So. All right, Brother Tim, we're going to invite you to come and share the word. And Tim will be sharing the word again this morning during the morning worship service. So thank you, Brother.
1: Thank you very much, Pastor Matt. And it's good to be able to be with you this morning. And we look forward to the rest of our time together. And uh, we want to say thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers and uh, for your special gifts for the church building also. And uh, we appreciate uh, your involvement in the ministry. And the fruit of the labors is all uh, you can enjoy also because we're co-laborers in the work of the Lord. Um, my parents, after they retired from the mission field, they went back to and settled in Lincoln, Nebraska. They were taking care of my grandmother who had Alzheimer's. And um, about two months ago... Um, they used to frequent, I mean, before that, they used to frequent a place called Taco John's, and um, a neighbor lady who's a widow, and uh, she lives by herself, you know, really liked Taco John's because, not for the food, but for the fellowship, for the time that they could talk with the workers there and other people that were eating, and, uh, but about two months ago, Taco John's in Lincoln closed permanently, not for a lack of business, but for a lack of workers. And that's what we see all around the United States. But we see that also if we transfer that into the spiritual realm, we understand there is a lack of workers. Even in Christ's time, he said that the harvest is plenty, but the labors are few. And besides the lack of prayer, because we understand that Jesus said, well, pray the Lord of the harvest, send forth labors. To the harvest field. We know that the lack of prayer is one of the reasons that we do not preach the gospel as we should. But besides that, I think um, what, the, another reason is that we do not know God as we should. And God revealed Himself, he would, if you were to turn to Isaiah chapter 6, God revealed Himself to this prophet, to, to Isaiah, so that he could use Isaiah as a faithful servant. And so I believe. As Isaiah got to know God in a better way, he was better equipped to be faithful in serving him. And God seeks a reverent heart. I think that's what he ended up finding in Isaiah. But here he manifests his glory to Isaiah in, uh, in chapter 6 of, of this book. And here in the first verse we see of Revelation, God reveals himself. But then also we see three responses, how different aspects or different people or different uh, uh, beings respond to this revelation. And in this Sunday school I, I would like to look at that revelation. But uh, let's read the uh, Isaiah chapter six, verses one through five, and then we'll look to the Lord in prayer. It says that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word, we do pray that your Holy Spirit might bring conviction in our hearts. That uh, the Holy Spirit might illumine our heart and understanding, so that we might understand and get a glimpse of who You are, as You reveal Yourself in the through the Scriptures. That we might be moved to respond in the right way, as we know You in a deeper way, and may we honor You and glorify You with our lips, with our hands, with our feet, with all our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I'd like to look at the revelation. Verse 1, God revealing himself, where Isaiah says, I saw also the Lord. We see here four elements of this revelation. First of all, let's look at the time of the revelation. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the the Lord. This time, this year, this this was a time of transition of human governments. Uzziah was a king of Judah, the southern tribe, and Uzziah's son, Jotham, succeeded his father on the throne. And normally, it is a time of uncertainty, right? When there's a difference in politics or government. Economically, it's not a time to do business investments, But spiritually, there is much need in those moments as there is when there is stability. But also, this was a time of economic prosperity. Look, if you would, in um, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 7. Isaiah 2, verse 7. You know, Uzziah had been a good king reigning over Judah for 52 years. And the, the scripture said that God made him to prosper And the economic situation is described here in Isaiah 2.7, where it says, Their land also is full of silver and gold, neither is there any end of their treasures. Their land is also full of horses, neither is there any end of their chariots. So economically, there was prosperity. As far as uh, international affairs, there was security. And... But economic prosperity does not determine spiritual prosperity. And even though Israel was rich, Israel was sinful. And they needed God's message. The United States also is a rich country, but it needs the message of the gospel. But also this was a time of earthly disillusion. Even though Uzziah started right, he did not finish right. The Bible says in 2nd Chronicles 26:16, but when he was strong, his heart was filled up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And remember, he was the king Uzziah was a, a descendant of Judah, not a descendant of Levi. He was not a priest, he could not offer incense, and God struck Uzziah with leprosy. And he was a leper for 10 years until he died the same year that Isaiah saw the glory of the God in the temple. And Isaiah had taken an interest in King Uzziah. He might have hoped that this king could make a difference through national politics. But his hopes shattered. However, Isaiah did not throw in the towel when his hero fell. He did not allow his disillusion from others affect his service to God. And we should not allow the failures of other believers, even leaders, because leaders fail us. We should not allow that to discourage or embitter or prevent us to live for God and serve him in, a way, in the way he wants. But also this was a time of service. Notice that Isaiah was serving there in the temple. He was working Isaiah was accomplishing his function as priest. That's what I believe personally. There's nowhere in the scripture that says that Isaiah was a priest. But because of this, the context of all this passage, I believe Isaiah was in the precinct of the temple area where only priests were allowed. But whether he was there or whether he was there offering a sacrifice or offering a, bringing an offering to the Lord, he was working and serving the Lord. And God does not call sluggards to his service. So usually God will call people that are working and are occupied to serve Him. And if you want to serve the Lord and be useful on the foreign field, don't wait until God calls you. Serve Him now. But let's look at the place of the revelation. We saw the time. Let's look at the place of the revelation. This is the temple. That's the last word in this verse. His train filled the temple. The Bible describes this place in 1 Kings 6-2. And translated, translating it into feet, the sanctuary where Isaiah was or saw uh, would be about 100 feet long, 32 feet wide, and 49 feet high. And these dimensions gave a double impression. Whoever came into this temple had a double impression. Number one, God was not just a has, at a hand's reach. So you go into this temple, into the doors of this temple, and you see this large building, almost like the situation. You come here, and there's a huge building. God is not just as a hand's reach. He is transcendent, not like you or me. We do not approach God like any other person. Humility and a sense of awe should flood our soul when we approach God. But also, The temple had to do more with God than with man. The sanctuary was taller than wide. Did you catch that? Normally, our buildings, for practical purposes, usually are wider. We want more space to be occupied with uh, furniture or people. And we don't bother too much about the height, unless it's a gymnasium where you need the ball to reach that high, right? But... um, but this sanctuary was taller than wide when all the furniture was placed in the temple, and although priests were serving in that, in that area, there was still a lot of space that only God could fill. And in our worship, there needs to be more of God than of myself. We ought to be conscious that we are in His presence. We ought to sing conscious that we are praising God. We ought to listen to the Bible, conscious that we are listening to God. We ought to give our offerings, conscious that we are giving to God. And we ought to pray, conscious that we are speaking to God. But notice the third element in this verse the time, the place, but the recipient of the revelation. Who saw God revealed here? It's Isaiah. He says, I saw also the Lord. Isaiah means, in the Hebrew, salvation of Jehovah. And he was married. We know that he had at least two sons or two children whose names had special meanings. And Amos and Hosea were contemporary prophets with Isaiah. And Isaiah gave God's message uh, during the reign of four kings of Judah. And Jewish tradition says that Isaiah was killed by orders of King Manasseh, Son in two. And possibly that's why the author of Hebrews says that some heroes of the faith were sawn asunder. And Isaiah suffered for his faith. The vision of God that he had here in chapter 6 marked his mind and his heart in such a way that he gave himself spirit, soul, and body to the service of the Lord no matter the cost. And when we have a right vision of the love of Christ, then it will move us also to serve him with our lives. Isaiah could not help but serving the Lord and obeying God's call. And if we have the understanding and the depth uh, uh, of understanding of the love of Christ, which constraineth us, we're all dead. And Christ died for us so that we no longer should live unto ourselves But unto him who died for us and rose again. So, if you have little interest in serving the Lord, may be you know little about the love of the Lord. But what we would like to concentrate a little bit more is on the fourth point: is the person of the revelation. This is God. It says the Lord. I also saw the Lord. This is the object revealed. The person revealed. We see several of God's qualities here. When, when Isaiah saw the glory of God here, there was th- f- at least four things that struck his mind and his heart. First of all, we see his lordship. He says, I saw the Lord. Um, he could have said, I saw the creator, I saw God. But he uses this, this, this word Lord, Adonai. Now, the apostle John gives the sense of this title, even though he uses Greek in the New Testament, not Hebrew, but he gives the sense of this title in Revelation when he calls him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This Adonai is not just a Lord among others. He is the Lord. And Jesus Christ is our Lord. He is our master. He is our owner and the one to whom we owe loyalty and service. And we see God's lordship in that God commands The Christian, that's being Lord, and commands his servants. He commands the Christian. And the phrase in this context, in Isaiah chapter 6, that uh, summarizes this command, we see in verse 9. It says, and he said, go and tell this people. That was God's command to Isaiah, as Lord of Isaiah. Go and tell this people. And Jesus Christ repeated this to his followers, saying in Mark 1615, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's God's command to us. And Christ is Lord over the Christian, over you and I, doubly, right? By creation, he made us, but also by redemption, he bought us with the blood of Christ. So when we lose sight of the truth, of the lordship of Christ, Over our lives, we detour from his will for our lives and lose the purpose for which we are here on earth. And so that the nations might hear the message of the gospel, I need to say first, Lord. For other people to hear Jesus loves you, I need to say, Lord. That was Paul's experience, right? On his way to Damascus when he was converted He said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And later on in chapter 13 of Acts, God says, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. He said, first, Lord, I'll obey whatever it is. And then God called him and sent him. I'm afraid there is a lack of labors because many have not responded to the Lord's call on their life. But we also not only see his lordship, but here, And what Isaiah was impressed was God's um, lordship, not only in his command to the believer, but also God commands the sinner. Sometimes we have the idea, well, you know, the Lord is the Lord of the believer, and we have to obey, and he commands us, but, you know, the unbelievers do just whatever they want or whatever they please. But God has commandments for the sinner. Isaiah's message should have been received by the people of Israel as divine authority. Isaiah was not sharing his opinion here, but giving God's mandate. And we also go into new cultures, not sharing our better opinions or our better life options, but announcing the command of the Lord as Paul expressed in Acts chapter 17, when he says, God now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And that's God's command to the unbeliever. Repent. But also we see his sovereignty. Not only his lordship here, but his sovereignty. He says, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Who sits on a throne? A sovereign. God's throne is universal, eternal, holy, just, and firm. But Isaiah was not the only person that saw God sitting on a throne if you backtrack 110 years earlier, before Isaiah's time, Micaiah, when he was you know, prophesying with Jehoshaphat and Ahab when they wanted to go to Ramoth Gilead, he says, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. When human governments were sitting on earthly thrones, he saw the Lord sitting up on the throne in heaven. And the Apostle, Paul, uh, the Apostle John, 900 years later, after Isaiah in heaven saw God Almighty sitting on his throne, sovereignly governing the affairs of the universe. He's always been sitting on the throne. And every person on the face of this world needs to know the sovereign plan of God for their lives and be confronted with that truth and have an opportunity to repent. We see his lordship, his sovereignty, but also his greatness. And I think Isaiah was impressed by the greatness of God. He says, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high, and lifted up. His greatness is transcendent. His greatness goes far beyond what we can describe with words. He is a being completely other. Uh, If we could put categories for things that exist, uh, God would be in a in a category completely by itself. The only thing is there is God because he's completely different. He's so great. But his greatness does not hinder his imminence. He is close and may be known by the humble in heart. Notice what he says in Isaiah 57. If you would turn to Isaiah 57, since we're close by there. Isaiah 57 verse 15. Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen says this, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also, that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So he is high. And Isaiah saw him high and lifted up, but he dwells with the humble. And that is a great thing. Two aspects of his greatness motivate in the salvation of souls. First of all, his ways are high. Remember the passage in Isaiah 55 where he says, my ways are higher than your ways? What is he talking about? He's talking about forgiveness, at least one of the things. He says, you know, let the wicked uh, forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Why? Because my ways are higher than your ways. It's hard for us to forgive, and we say one time, two times, three times, you're out. You know, three strikes and you're out. Or maybe if we we're spiritual, like Peter, who says seven strikes and you're out. But God says, "I'm not like you. I forgive." So if you're a wicked person, no matter what you did, repent, forsake your ways, and you will find re- uh, you will find pardon. Because I'm so high, my ways are so higher than your ways. So we go. I mean, we can speak to anyone, and says and say God's will for your life is to repent. He offers forgiveness of your for your sins, but also His resources are high. And like in Malachi, He say, "Try me in this. Bring your offerings. I will pour out a blessing from heaven." He's he he he, he his resources are high, and he. That's why missionaries can trust, can go out to the mission field and say, well, God will provide. Why? Because he will always do that. His resources are high. But we all not only see his, his lordship, his sovereignty, his greatness, but also his presence here. Because Isaiah says, and his train filled the temple. His train filled the temple. Now, the word train does not refer to a choo-choo train or a diesel engine here. This is an Old English word that refers to the bottom edge of a, or border of a garment or tunic. It, it again speaks in this context to the greatness of God because only the edge of his robe, using an anthropomorphism, you know, like if giving attribute, human attributes to God so that we can understand, only the edge of his robe, the hem of his garment, fill this whole place. And there are many things of God that we do not understand or know know because he's so great. You know, we cannot stick it in this four by four by four little box that we have on our heads. And those things should motivate us to mission. Those things that we don't understand of God shouldn't say, oh, well, I'm not going to serve a God that I don't understand, you know, because I'm not sure about this. No, that should motivate us to serve him, because we serve a great God, greater than you and I, greater than all human plans, greater than all pagan gods, greater than all uh, world empires, greater than coronavirus. And so, Paul says, describes it this way. He says in Romans chapter 11, towards the end, oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And then he says, For of him and through him and to him are all things. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, submitting our lives completely to God so he can use. Our bodies and our lives, for His purposes, is the natural and logical consequence of His greatness. But Isaiah says that His train filled the temple. You know, God filled the tabernacle and the wilderness with His glory. God filled with His glory this same temple when it was dedicated in Solomon's time. But also, when the believers were gathered in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, God filled those believers so that they would be witnesses unto him, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And it, it, it is interesting to note that in the book of Acts, every time that a believer was filled with the Holy Spirit, he did one thing, except for one, one, one passage. Almost every time, except for one time, they did something. They spoke. They spoke. So God's desire is to fear, fill every believer. And that his ego would be dethroned. And that way, we will dedicate fully to the mission that God has given us. And that's why Paul exhorts us, you know, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to yourselves with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Our problem is that we are full of ourselves. And very little filled with the Holy Spirit. We have taken the reins if I could take a Western <laughs> type of thing, we had taken the reins of our lives instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to, to guide and control our actions and decisions. And we have allowed his sins to find refuge in our hearts and we grieve the Holy Spirit instead of pleasing him with our lives. And We have voluntarily ignored the impulses of the Spirit in our consciences when he is moving us to do something good and in that way we quench the Holy Spirit. No wonder we do not tell our friends about Christ as we ought. No wonder we do not sacrifice to give generously to God's work as we ought. No wonder we do not respond sometimes when there's a short missions trip to a needy place. No wonder we do not feel the call of God to leave our home and go to the nations of this world with a message of, the, of salvation. There's, there's too much of us in our hearts, and we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. But may through God's grace... He work in our hearts so that we might use soul, mind, body, spirit to serve Him if we get a glimpse of God's glory through the scriptures and we we respond like Isaiah. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We do depend on Your Holy Spirit to apply these things to our hearts and lives. May we not just be forgetful listeners, but doers of the word. For your honor, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.